0: Hello and welcome to Broccoli News, Radio Broccoli's regular update on what's happening in and around the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital in Stanmore. I'm Alan Joyce. Broccoli News is now 10 years old and this is the first in a special series of programmes where we look back over some of the highlights of our programmes over the last 10 years. Today we look back at the very first programmes, including clips from the Reverend Wendy Brooker, who was the chaplain here for around 25 years, we also hear from Derek Sayers, who was the treasurer of the League of Friends, who compiled a pictorial history of the hospital. And we listen back to an audio tour of the Aspire National Training Centre. Plus, we have music from Abby Farrell. This is Radio Broccoli, London's longest-running hospital radio station and officially the UK's hospital radio station of the year for 2020. So it was ten years ago that we launched Broccoli News here on Radio Broccoli, And here's how the very first link sounded. Hello and welcome to Broccoli News, Radio Broccoli's brand new weekly show, giving you updates on all you need to know about what's happening in and around the hospital. I'm Alan Joyce and I'll be here for the next half an hour with news, interviews and information. Coming up today, we hear from John Marks from the Friends organization who He'll be telling us about their latest new venture called Wheels for Ease. And we'll be hearing from Rosie Williams and Andrew Ogerman from the Aspire Centre as they plan to raise funds by swimming the channel. Plus, of course, later on tonight, we've got Bedside Bingo at half past eight, your chance to win some Radio Broccoli goodies without leaving your bed. And then all your choice of tunes on the Broccoli Gold Request Show tonight at nine. So stay tuned to London's longest-running hospital radio station, Radio Broccoli, over the next half an hour. Yep, that bloke still doesn't sound any better now, does he? Over the last 10 years, though, we've been privileged to welcome many staff across the RNOH and its other associated charities, along with other members of the community. We've covered everything from two royal openings to award ceremonies, local events, charity fundraisers and interviews with senior staff across the hospital. Now, one loyal friend to Radio Broccoli throughout most of the last 10 years was Wendy Brooker, who stepped down as the hospital chaplain at the start of this year. She was one of our very first guests on the programme, and here's her interview from
1: 2010. I have to run a service, basically, that's what I'm here for, as the lead chaplain, and that involves admin work, as well as the work which I love the most, which is pastoral counselling with patients, with staff, with visitors people who may come in the chapel, people I may meet around the site, or the patients in their beds. Uh, It could be anywhere and any of them, any time, when I'm here. (laughs)
0: And you mentioned the services, so when do these services take place? Do you have set times every week that you have a formal service?
1: Well, no, we don't really, no, no. We only have one Because, I mean, you and I know the layout of this hospital and with orthopaedic patients, they can't get to where the chapel is. Mm. If They've got their legs up in slings and they've had spinal surgery. It's not an easy place to get to. We do have one service a week at 12.45 every Thursday lunchtime. It lasts half an hour and that's mainly for staff or any patient who happens to be able to get there and for my team, because I work with some lay chaplains. And all the other times we go on wards, we go and pray with patients or take Holy Communion to patients at the bedside because they just cannot get to the chapel. Mm -hmm. So people think I do lots of uh, services in the chapel, but in actual fact we don't. Um, It's a good base for prayer, but uh, services normally at the bedside for patients.
0: So do you have a set time every week that you go around to each ward and have these services or do people have to request? Um, oh, service? it's
1: by request because right. of the Data Protection Act we can't just inflict ourselves and you're sure. not allowed to have ward services so it has to be individuals mm-hmm. at their bedside and we pull the curtains round and make it private. OK. And that's the way we have to function.
0: So if people were interested in having a service how would they go about um, contacting you?
1: Uh, well... Every ward should know how to contact me, a nurse. Um, they've got ward directories and uh, my extension number must be on, on the email site. So leaving me a message in the chapel or anyone who sees me around who knows me will tell me. Um, they, they know how to get the information to me if I need it. Um, and if the, if the staff forget, well, then I hope the patient will badger them until they do remember.
0: Mm. When are you actually in the hospital again? Because you're not in every day, are you?
1: No, I'm now here Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Right. And occasional Sundays. Each one in the team takes a turn at bring, taking communion and praying with patients on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah. it's enough at the moment I just about manage it
0: (laughs) and if people do want to use the chapel for just a quiet sort of prayer time whether it be patients or visitors is that open for private prayer and that?
1: oh it's open every day Um, it is locked up overnight Um, But it's open when security goes around quite early in the morning. And I'm not here when they do it, so I know it's quite early. And they do lock up at night and turn uh, lights off if they're left on. But sometimes people want to use it with the lights on, not in the dark. And, uh, yes, it's always there for anybody to use. They're they're very welcome. That staff, visitors or patients if they can get there.
0: And and can you just explain exactly where the uh, chapel is for anyone who's not familiar with the layout? It's, it's not too difficult to get to, is it?
1: No. As you come in from the main entrance, it's on the right-hand side of the road. It's in front of Rehab, which Rehab has two conservatories on each side, and the very large porter cabin in front of the left-hand side conservatory of rehab that's the chapel and it has notices in the window
0: okay and obviously there'll be many people listening of other faiths as well not just uh, anglicans so um if they wanted to you know um have something for their own religion how would they go about doing that do you provide services for them as well
1: um i'm a contact point for people of any religion and none come to that but um Yes, um, we often have Muslim people praying in the chapel. They have a big plastic crate with their prayer mats in and there's a space at the back they can use. Um, they know which way Mecca is and there's a notice on the, on the, side, on the wall anyway telling them um and one one particular day i had a buddhist with a metronome and then i had a hindu who was happy to use the chapel i have all the muslim people members of staff and and perhaps visitors who come in and they know they can use it for prayer so but also used for friday prayers for the muslims and christians who come in and use it so yes i think we're we're very multi-faith
0: located for print wendy thank you very much
1: you're welcome
0: Brilliant, the Reverend Wendy Brooker speaking to me there back in 2010 as we look back over 10 years of Broccoli News. Now next we hear from a chap called Derek Sayers who was the treasurer of the League of Friends and he spent many years compiling a pictorial history of the hospital. He had some quite remarkable stories to tell. Now he spoke to one of our long-serving members, the late Paul Downer, and he asked him how it all started.
2: It really goes back to... There was a gentleman I called John Chumley, who was a surgeon working in his hospital. And in the early 1980s, he decided to make a book on the history of the hospital, which is mainly a written book rather than a pictorial book. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he and I were, I won't say working together, but we were associated with each other, and I collected all the pictures so, on my retirement, I thought it would be rather nice to have a pictorial history where we have uh, the now and thens, what it did look like, what it looks like now. But, of course, the hospital is changing rapidly. Mm. So, the editions we kept the numbers on each edition down to a relatively small amount, just a few hundred each time. So we're now coming up to a third edition where we will be talking about the new hospital. And then perhaps in two, three years' time, and I hope to get that one out by the end of the year, two, three years' time, then we'll have one of the new hospital. Hopefully, <laughs> marvellous. So all so. oh, this is a work in
3: progress. Then nothing. Yes, stops. I mean it's
2: uh, without going into too much detail. So it's relatively easy these days to, to publish a book, and so um, yes, it doesn't it doesn't take too much too much of a problem just to keep updating all the yeah. time. Yeah. So rather than just uh, reissue the one we did last, which was a couple of years ago, we'll modify it and uh, bring out another one fantastic and I suppose now it's easier to get hold of pictures these days I have got several hundred pictures of the hospital as it was these are on a CD which I freely distribute into the hospital so the hospital administration etc have got this CD so that they can look through all those pictures all the pictures I've scanned and that's why and, and I've taken lots more just of late and mm. from the same position. Mm. so um, well that's how it's gone. what uh, what are your views on the the new p- build of for the hospital that's about to happen in the next uh, three or four years? I'm very really excited. Um, perhaps I should go back a bit thinking about the history of the hospital. The hospital had moved up here in nineteen twenty one. Thereabouts. And in 1922, they decided they were going to build a new hospital. Mm. Uh, so here we are in 2010, and we're still saying we are going to build a new hospital. Between that time, there's been something like at least three or four, if not more, plans for the new hospital, mm. which have never actually come to fruition. So you can understand, you tend to think that is this one going to come or is it not? Uh, hopefully it is. This one is going to come off. It, and, it looks uh, very positive at the moment. I uh, think it's all system scone now. Yes, <laughs> so there, are, there are still one or two uh, hiccups perhaps for the hospital has still got to overcome, but mm. I'm not going to mm. go into those here. Mm. But, yes, I, I, I think it would be great if we do get a new hospital. Mm. Uh, we're excited to see okay. it. Yes. Absolutely.
4: myself you say no
0: was Abby Farrell and a track called Empowered which was performed acoustically especially for Radio Broccoli as part of our Alpha Sessions online series. You can watch the whole session on our YouTube channel by searching for Alpha Sessions. You're listening to Broccoli News celebrating its 10th anniversary and this is the first of a special series of programmes listening back to highlights over the last 10 years. Now next we head back to another package we put together back in 2010 and this one all about the Aspire Centre. So here's me back in 2010 to explain more. Now, did you know that this hospital has its very own national training centre? The Aspire Centre is a leisure facility which caters for people with spinal cord injuries and helps people rebuild their future and lead full and fulfilled lives. While we sent our member Jeremy Levine to have a look round, he was given the guided tour by the Aspire Centre manager, Rosie Williams.
5: These are the changing rooms. Um, They are communal, which um, allows spouses and people of the opposite sex to act as carers for... um wheelchair users or people with other disabilities to access um, the changing rooms. We've got um, large cubicles Um, we've also got a changing room down the end with a bed on you'll also see that there are some wheelchairs down at the end there. There are what we call our wet wheelchairs um, and people can actually transfer from their day chair to a wet wheelchair and they can access the pool themselves without the need for a hoist or anything like that and I'll show you the pool
3: Okay, we're now upstairs, we've just walked up the staircase, and an interesting thing on the um, rails of the staircase, um, there's basically small holes in the, um, the actual rail, that's to help people who are visually impaired, um, so they know when the top of the stairs is coming up, so that's quite an interesting thing. So we're now upstairs in the
5: cafeteria. Yes, this is our cafe, it's really well used, both by patients from the hospital, but also by general members of the public, and our members. Um, it sits alongside the Carton Centre um, this is part of our assistive technology department and we aim to provide all sorts of adaptive pieces of equipment so that people can access the internet and, and learn new computer skills. Um, we've also got the pool balcony here and I'll take you through and show you the pool. Excellent,
3: very um, very busy it is today as well, lots of people here enjoying balloons, drinks and lots of refreshments and we're now just walking into the balcony area where we can oversee the pool
5: Okay, so this is the pool, it's very unique in its design. It has a ramped entry into the pool. Again, this is so that wheelchair users can access the pool without the need for a hoist. Um, Having said that though, it's very good for the very young and also the very old. Um, Also, the water temperature is fairly warm. Um, It's warmer than your average pool. It's maintained at about 30 to 31 degrees. Again, this is so that people can do exercises in here and and do lots of rehabilitation.
3: Okay, excellent. And you obviously have a lot of patients from the hospital who come here.
5: Yes, we do. We have lots of inpatients that can just come down off the ward and use the pool as and when they'd like to. We also have physio sessions. Um, The occupational therapists sometimes come down to use the pool too. So, yeah, lots of patient usage as well. Right, so this is the sports hall and we have lots of activities going on in here including lots of wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby, lots of the teams train here but we also use it for after school activities as well as parties and camps during the holidays. Um, and lots of other things. It's very well used.
3: I can see now the people playing basketball at the moment and it looks like I can see there's basketball here, five-a-side football, is that right?
5: Just about everything, I think, lined out on this court. Um, Yeah, badminton, tennis, volleyball, basketball, um, netball, you name it, it's probably marked on here. (laughs) Right, so we're in the gym now. Um, it's very similar to most other gyms, but you'll notice that most of the pieces of our resistance equipment have adaptations made to them. Uh, if I take you over to one of them and show you the adaptations yeah, made on them. Yeah, that will be great. And um, you'll notice that all of the seats swing out of the way. And this is so that there's complete wheelchair access to all of the machines. So all of the resistance machines do this. And we have also specialist pieces of equipment like this standing frame. Um, and the idea is is that this gym is fully integrated, so we've got all the normal pieces of equipment that you'd expect to find in a gym, as well as specialist pieces of equipment. And again, that's um, so that the gym is completely accessible and completely integrated uh, for those with spinal cord injury.
3: we were just saying that it's very easily accessible from the hospital.
5: Yes, we have a link corridor which actually links onto the physiotherapy and and also the spinal unit of the hospital as well, so very accessible from a patient's point of view, yes.
3: Here we are in the um, dance studio now
5: Yes, this is our dance studio It's mainly used by Kanduko who are our resident dance company They use it for practising and also putting on productions We also use this for doing exercise classes and we use it for various other things as well, but its main use is, is through Kanduko, who are a completely integrated dance company
3: fantastic we have to get the um, maybe should get there's strictly come dancing people to train here
5: <laughs> quite possibly you <laughs> probably could we've got the um technical gallery upstairs as well and again that's solely used by Kanzuko, but they've put some really great performances on here and they they do regularly perform um you know put on performances here so it's great you know the staff always go to watch them as well it's really good and
3: is that all ages that dance group
5: yes they incorporate all age groups and um, they have some wheelchair users in their dance company as well um, and people with various disabilities Um some of their productions are really really interesting so um you should come along and watch the next yeah, one we will
3: do we'll look out for that thank you <laughs> come now with max who's um well he seems to be a bit of a jack of all trades here explain what you're doing
6: um i'm actually one of the main swing instructors but i'm a receptionist lifeguard I work with kids everything like that um but we just started up the new swing classes quite a sort of old sort of concept of exercise classes but i'm um, just one of the recently qualified guys for it
3: and what explain a bit about what swing is
6: um what it is we've got sort of a uh, special design bikes you can alter them to all sorts of different heights uh ways of movement and it's just as realistic as it can be to riding on the road so it's all about resistance work and it's a great sort of all-over workout really i think it's quite tiring it is uh, a good 45 minutes class and uh, you've got a good workout going on.
0: great stuff and 10 years on they've grown their facilities even more you can find out more about them by visiting the website at aspire.org.uk now finally for the first of our anniversary programs we look back at our very first interview with the hospital's former chief executive, Rob Hurd. Now, back then, the hospital rebuild still felt like an impossible dream. But Rob generously gave up his time to bring us regular updates over the last 10 years. And this was his very first appearance on Broccoli
6: News. Phase one was really to address the, the, the critical aspects of our estate, well, the wards and the imaging department, the, the slope, right. um, which needs to be, and everybody has recognised, needs to be replaced in full. Um, and so what we will be doing is effectively building um, a, a new... Few, uh, wards with 200 um, odd beds um, and image associated imaging facilities um, into the valley of the land that, that runs away from outpatients. So the plan is to refurbish outpatients now, starting now, um, and then in 2012, when we've awarded the contract to whoever's going to build the new hospital, we'll be starting to build the the, the, the wards and imaging block. The major 81 million pound um, rebuild will happen at that stage. Um, uh, so it, it's it's a sort of banana shape linking uh, going out north from outpatients into the valley of the land and uses. The contours of the land. So this will be down near the aspire end of the hospital. In, end. Indeed, and that. Uh, so we obviously the aspire centre will stay. The, the spinal cord injury centre, where that is located, those buildings will stay and be refurbished. Um, although spinal cord injuries won't, won't stay in that building, that we will be using that that facility still. And we will be spending our own money up to, uh, so four million pounds plus in the in the coming couple of years, um, rebu- uh, refurbishing the outpatient building to 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 make it fit for purpose to last for for the next. 15-20 years as part of the new hospital complex. So does this
0: therefore mean that um, the wards where they are now will not be affected at all during the rebuild, that people
6: will stay exactly where they are? Will anyone need to be moved around whilst it's taking yeah, the, place? The, the great advantage of this site is that we have space and we have room. Um, and so the idea is um, that on a Friday afternoon we can close down the old hospital and on the Monday morning everybody moves into the new hospital. So we won't have major, like a lot of hospitals have in these things, decanting arrangements where patients are being shipped around into different places. Places whilst whilst things are moved around to a degree we'll have some of that in the outpatient refurbishment where we're going to have to keep outpatients going whilst we're refurbishing that building um, but in the major rebuild stage we're, we're talking completely new um, wards in a different location that can be sort of switched on uh, and uh, whilst we switch off the lights on the other ones, we switch the lights mm-hmm. on in the new one uh, relatively overnight. Tell us what you're most proud of here at the RNOH I think the the quality of care that we provide patients, whenever this is looked at both independently and by ourselves when we're comparing ourselves um, with others, we are described as a jewel in the crown of the NHS. We're described in some of our services being of world class in nature. And obviously it's amazing when you come through the, the front gates to look at this Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital that provides world class services to see it in those buildings. And it's a testament really to the staff that work here um, the the amount of commitment there is to patient care the quality of patient care um, in this organization is absolutely amazing um, and really that 's what makes me most proud because that 's what it's all about as a hospital maintaining that quality of, uh, and that staff commitment to the patient and the patient experience in spite of all you know we do have our problems I don 't claim everything's perfect the environment here needs to be improved and that's why we need to um, rebuild the buildings we, we have an exceptionally high demand for our services and the volume of patients coming through our outpatients department for example me and the time people have to wait to get in to sit for their appointment um all these things that, uh, that need working on and continue to work on um and so i'm not complacent at all but in terms of what is best and what makes me most proud it, it is that quality of care
0: Rob heard speaking to us there. Now, don't forget, we have a number of programmes available on our podcast channel. Just search for Radio Broccoli at all the main podcast sites and you'll find our recent news updates, along with specially recorded programmes on mental health. We also have programmes recorded by two of the other hospitals' charities, the Disability Foundation and the Skeletal Cancer Trust. Broccoli news can be heard on Radio Broccoli, Mondays to Fridays at 6pm and on Sundays at 7pm. Join us again for more memories next time. But From me, Alan Joyce, goodbye. Oh,